This is Reawakened, conversations with and for women in transition with Vari Longmuir and Jade McKenzie. As women in our 30s have experienced transition in different forms, we realised there was a lack of open, honest conversation around what can be a lonely and delicate time. Our hope for this podcast is that it will be the medicine you need to navigate whatever you are going through with courage, grace and a little humour along the way. Hi guys and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. I'm Vadi and we've got Jade on the call as well. Hi Jade. Hello, hello. Hi. This week we are going to be talking about a little bit of a darker subject matter than the few previous episodes. Um, Jade and I are certainly kind of coming out of a period of big transition. I think we're always in transition in some way or another, but um, certainly it doesn't feel as heavy for us uh, now as it perhaps did a year or 18 months ago. But we really want to circle back and talk about the debt of despair because we in no way want to minimize how difficult these periods of transition are and when you feel that pull to move in a different direction and make different choices and make different decisions for yourself and just how overwhelming that can really feel at those times. So if you are kind of on that edge of taking one step or another or taking that leap into the unknown, then this is going to be the episode for you. We want to let you know that we have been where you are right now and that there is light at the end of the tunnel. But we want to just share our experiences of being in that pretty dark place um, when it came to making choices about where we wanted to transition our life to. Mm, Absolutely. And I just want to put in here that we all have our different experiences and and there are certain things that can trigger us. So if at any point any of this is very triggering for you or you feel like you need to talk to a professional, if anything comes up for you at all, we do recommend that you call Lifeline in Australia and you can reach them on 131114. Mm, yep agree yeah if you need to reach out and speak to someone yeah definitely um definitely take that that opportunity we are here sharing our own personal stories but if you feel you need some more professional help then yeah please please reach out and make that call yeah so today um i mean vary this is something that we really wanted to be real about because Mm. it is very much our style to be open and honest and vulnerable with our audience and our community because that's how we want to show up and serve through this podcast and, and through Reawakened Women. And I feel personally myself that there are so many beautiful things out there that are meant to help you see the more positive side of breaking through very hard times. But sometimes I just needed to be able to relate to someone or go, yes, that's exactly what I'm going through. Okay, I know that this is a thing. It's not just me. Or I had permission. I could give myself permission to feel a particular way that day, whether it was 
not showering, <laughs> not getting out of bed or, you know, those things. So mm. I'm really, I am excited that we are being quite open and, and getting to talk about this because I feel it's so important that we show the raw, uh, real things that happen to us. Mm. Agreed. Agreed. So, Jade, do you have any examples of when you were in that place of despair and feeling overwhelmed by the choices that you had in front of you or once you had made the choices? What did that look like for you in your day to day? So I think it all started coming undone from for me probably while we were recording our podcast, I remember just being so excited. We were so happy. We were, we were doing this podcast and it was, it was great. You know, I had separated from my ex-husband at the end of the year before. So we were talking about, talking about our separation and having a break in November the year before. So by the time we were recording, it was around July or that was at least the time that we were putting these episodes together and what had happened had been so unexpected and, and blindsided me in terms of our relationship and how quickly it broke down and not just mine and my ex's relationship, but also his relationship with our daughter. And so things happened, it started out fine and then it went to shit basically. And it was horrible and stressful and overwhelming and I had just not seen it coming so as a day-to-day I was struggling with all of these things being uprooted and basically put through the wood chipper and I had said to my real estate agent oh when the lease is coming up can I please sign a six-month lease instead of a year lease because I'm a single mum now and I know I can commit to paying over $2,000 rent, which is a huge amount to pay on your own plus everything else, um, for the next six months. But I just want to make sure that I can commit, you know, and I'll know how I'm going in the next few months. And he said that's fine, but he failed to tell the landlord the other stuff about me being a single mum and all of this and wanting to do the right thing by him. And so our landlord lived two doors behind us. It was a block of three units. And he came up just when I was, you know, getting ready to pack up and move because he had decided he didn't want to renew the lease. And he said to me, oh, so where's this other place you're going to move into? And I said, I don't have a place. My daughter and I are going to be homeless. And he was shocked. (laughs) He, Mm. He had no idea. But effectively, Cerise and I were going to be homeless for a minimum of two and a half months and, and not in the way that we were living out of my car if we needed to. My mum had a spare bedroom at her house, but it was like 40 minutes drive to Cerise's school. So my best friend who lived near me was going to go to Europe for six weeks I think so I house sat there and then I took Cerise out of school for two weeks and including her holidays of two weeks we spent four weeks in Bondi 
at another girlfriend's apartment. So I'm in a different state. So we did travel and brought our lives over to Bondi. And when time was up, because we only had four or five weeks in Bondi, I had to come back to Melbourne, <laughs> make some decisions. And I literally found an apartment in three days and I knew it was ours. I've always felt that with rentals. I always know when something's mine. I made my girlfriend go to the inspection to make sure that <laughs> it wasn't gross and moldy and, <laughs> and rank and an old mess lab. <laughs> it was fine. It was perfect for us. And Cerise and I started our new life and that was around this time last year that we we're moving to Bondi. So it was all happening around now. And I remember being in Bondi at around this time and I've never felt such pain in my life. I had been on tour back-to-back -back and working with clients back-to-back -back until the end of July and work is always a crux for me. It's always something that I always fall back into and it's not necessarily healthy but I just love it so much and that's what I do. But when I stopped having those tools and that work, everything just came crashing. My adrenals, my energy, my personal life, our housing, <laughs> everything. So I just spent many days crying. For a lot of the year, I'd also taken on an interim CEO role with a social enterprise, which was seriously challenging. And I would spend every day in my car crying. And every time I got in my car, I kind of felt like it was just a safe place. I would just burst into tears, fix up my makeup, get out of the car, off I went. Mm. And at home, sometimes I'd just sit there and cry and cry and cry. And I'd have to say to Cerise, I'm so sorry, baby. I'm just going through a thing. Don't worry about me. I'm just getting it out. This is normal. This is healthy to cry when you need to and um, she would just hug me and let me have my space. But I was in what my girlfriend, Andrea, calls portals of pain and I just mm. could not see a way out. I just did not know how I would get through it because everything triggered me. Even when I didn't feel triggered, I was clearly triggered because I was crying <laughs> mm. all the time. And I, I'm, I feel like I was functioning as a human, as a mum, as a business owner, but not to the level that I usually am functioning at. And I was withdrawing myself from a lot of things and just trying to get through it. And my partner now was very good. He was around as a friend and he was very good at helping me through this. He wasn't there with any, um, you know, intent <laughs> to like bed me <laughs> or anything. He just wanted to help me through this. And I had known him for a few years and he helped me get through it bit by bit, as did my beautiful girlfriends. My family didn't really know what was going on. I didn't want to tell them and I didn't really want to tell a lot of people who were close to me, what's happening with me. I'll tell the whole world through a screen, through a podcast, through online. But if you're in a room with me and you ask me how I am, I'm not going to tell you how much mm. pain I'm in. And I just 
I couldn't even take it day by day. I had to take it hour by hour, minute by minute. And it was just trying to feel some kind of normal again for many, many months. And I don't feel like I started to come good probably until around April this year there was glimpses of me coming back. So that's from August to April. And then now we're in, we've just ticked over into September. I'm feeling now, literally in the last two weeks, that I am coming back into myself. So I never want anyone to look at my Instagram. And I have put posts on Instagram about how hard it is and what I've been through. It's absolutely still there. But I still get comments from people saying, oh, my gosh, you're smashing it. Oh, my gosh, everything looks so amazing. Oh, my gosh, all of these beautiful positive things. But make no mistake, there is light but there is also dark and you don't have really all one shade. It is very mixed and you do have moments of joy and then the next moment you're on the floor again not knowing why. And I just really wanted to let people know and hear and understand that pain, emotional pain is very real. It can come through and manifest as physical pain. Certainly did with me and my panic attacks came back and I was very sick. You have to surround yourself with a team and I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know what that looked like for me because I have had psychologists before and that really wasn't something I was into. Um, I have my beautiful girlfriends, but there's only so much I want to put onto them. I didn't want them to worry about me. And I wasn't in a relationship. I was coming out of one. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I'd lost that bond with someone. And so I had to look at what might help support me medically to get through things and also spiritually, and for me, that looked like somebody who could do distant healing because I didn't even want to leave my house. Um, and it meant when I was in Bondi, it was very much being in the sunshine, going to the beach, not doing as much work. I couldn't even physically do work. I had to be outside. I had to be in nature. I needed someone to help heal me spiritually. I needed medical intervention. I needed these things and I didn't know how to ask for help before but I finally understood how I could build a team around me without me feeling like I was a burden on people mm. and not putting it all on my girlfriends um, and my family members because I just I can't I can't do that I can to a certain degree and then I, I just it repels me that thought <laughs> mm. Mm. so Yes, that's that's my story from, yeah, coming out of that transition. Yeah. I just want to take a second just to acknowledge you for sharing that, Jade, because it is it is the darker side and it's, it's something that not a lot of people share or are willing to be open about. So thank you so much for sharing that because I know how helpful it is even for me at this point to know that you were going through all the same shit I was going through, you know, be it, albeit at different times, we all mm. go through it. And I think that's the, that's the point we kind of want the quick fix. I think we live in a world now where we want the instant remedy and 
these times of transition, whether it's in relationships or in other areas of our life, like we have to go through it. We can't just skip over it. Um, so to know exactly what that looked like for you um, is just so valuable for other people that find themselves on the cusp of that at the moment or deep in the depths of it just now. So thank you for sharing that so openly. Oh, no, thank you. I really appreciate that. And it's so true. We kind of think, oh, we'll get through this quickly. <laughs> and then it's yeah. like a year passes and you're like, why am I not better yet? <laughs> mm, and you yeah. don't realise the timeline. And, of course, like I said, you're going to have beautiful moments within that, but you are still healing. And the yeah. fact that I can get in my car now without just bursting into tears is great, but it doesn't mean that I'm not going to have a cry this weekend over something that's triggered me. And yeah. like I said to you in a previous episode, I cried and had a panic because I gave my partner a coat hanger. It's <laughs> all very unexpected. And you're grieving a life that you once led and mm. you had to leave behind. Yeah. And that is a huge transition in itself, let alone everything else that comes off the back of it. Yeah. And when my girlfriend just talked about it as portals of pain, I could not have put it better myself. And mm. it really, it hit me on two levels. The first is that I feel like when I'm in a portal, that's all I know. That's what surrounds me. It's like a vortex, you know. It's yeah. kind of inescapable. You don't control it. It controls you to a degree. You have to move through it. But that's the thing with the portal. You can come out the other side. It's not the end, but it is something that you have to move through. Mm. And I think for, for women like us or for anyone going through a separation of something that was so intimate and was your whole life over a decade, untangling yourself from that, even with the most beautiful positive expectations, it has challenges and things get thrown in your face that you didn't expect and you do get blindsided at different moments of time or something doesn't work out the way you thought it would and sometimes you're in shock. <laughs> mm. You have to deal with it. Yeah, and I think it's the willingness to sit in the discomfort and be okay in the discomfort, that's what moves you through it. I know for me, there was this sense of Groundhog Day and feeling stuck because I would just resist and distract myself with everything else around about me because I just did not want to experience that feeling of anxiety, of depression. And I just was constantly you know, on the move 24-7. And I think that just perpetuated that feeling of despair in that mm. place. So I think the hardest thing for me to do was to slow down and actually acknowledge what was happening and how I was feeling and just get really present because I was just the queen of buffering. Like anything that would distract me from any kind of emotion was my best friend during that time. And as soon as I, oh, I say as soon, but once I gradually started to let myself feel what was coming up for me, 
that's when I could start to see some hope and some potential on the other side of, of that portal, as you so beautifully put it. So how did you, what brought you to that point? What was your, I guess, darkest moment, if you're happy to go there and, and talk mm. about it? Yeah, it was, there was definitely um, a sense of, of distracting myself and, and keeping myself busy. Like when I think back, and this was a few years before we actually separated and then divorced, but I could see just getting, you know, head down in work. Um, I was training for a marathon. We were going on these holidays, like just constantly on the move because I just, there, there was this fear in me that if I slowed down, I'd be forced to face what was in front of me. So there was just this constant forward motion all the time, which I realized was just spinning me in circles. It wasn't moving me in any direction, but it worked as a, a good distraction for me at that time. Um, when I think of like the, the deepest times of despair, it was around actually taking actions. Like I knew how I felt. I knew what I wanted my life to be on the other side of my marriage, but it was the having to take responsibility and the action that was just really a really difficult time for me. And and when it came to, to work as much as I kind of threw myself into working other things, that was before the decision was made. But once I knew that, I wanted to leave I was just incapable like I just dropped the ball on work completely um, because I just I had absolutely no attention span and no focus like I just I couldn't I couldn't do anything productive but I couldn't sit still with myself either and I'm someone who's mm -hmm. had a, a regular meditation practice since before I had kids um, but during this time I literally could not sit still with myself in meditation for even five minutes it was just crippling anxiety to be still and in silence for even a minute mm -hmm. and um and and that had such a negative impact on me on my health in so many ways I was probably um at the lightest I'd ever been in a virgin on unhealthy way because I was just I was literally running away from my life I could not run enough um, and it was just a way of, of distracting myself and, and it was really unhealthy. I was making kind of unsafe choices for myself. I was indulging in over drinking too much. I was going out all the time. Um, I was doing anything to just distract me from what needed to be addressed in front of me. Um, and it was a kind of really, when I look back on it now, I see childish, not in a way to be mean to myself, but in a childish way of, I'll just pretend this isn't happening and it'll all work itself out. Um, and it really forced me to just have to slow down and address what was in front of me um, out of respect for myself and for the other people involved that this wasn't something that other people were going to be able to make a decision for me on that I had to make mm. decisions on myself and I kind of didn't want the responsibility of that. Um, and so, yeah, that was probably my points of feeling at my lowest um also through this time um as we've mentioned in previous episodes I had an amazing network of girlfriends to really hold that space and support me in the best way possible but I had some really challenging relationships within my family as well as a result of me making this choice to step out of my marriage which 
was another layer of things to have to deal with. And I felt like I was backed into a corner and I was just fighting fires on all fronts. Um, and ironically, it was, you know, some of the best communication was between me and my ex-husband at that point um, when it came to, you know, the relationships I was having with my family as a result of me choosing to leave my marriage, which <laughs> it's like this weird cycle of communication. But mm. um, yeah, it was, I just felt really exposed um I allowed myself to feel really exposed and and kind of under attack by people and so that was at the times when I definitely felt at my lowest um through that transition out of my marriage but I love that you touched on your relationship now that you're in and how that was a a support for you you before you guys got into a romantic relationship because that was certainly the reality for me as well, my partner now, we were friends before we became romantically involved and, and to, have, to have a male there to kind of like be in your corner without any agenda mm. um, is, a, is a really lovely thing. And I think that set a really beautiful basis for our friendship. Um, and, you know, there were things that would trigger me as we were selling the, the family house. That was a point of of great tension and stress between me and my ex. Um, and, and it was all over control, you know, who was going to control this, who was going to call the shots on it. Um, and I remember having a conversation with him that was quite heated and we were never a couple to argue. That was not part of the problem with our relationship, but we were never, we would never have heated debates or discussions or, or, or disagreements with each other. Um, and so for us to have this was quite unusual for us to kind of communicate in this way. Um, and I remember that evening um, my mum was here on a holiday um, and I dropped the kids off at the house that she was staying in and I drove to his house in my bare feet in the pouring rain and just kind of stated my case of like, this is, this is where we're at. This is what I'm doing. This is what you're doing. Um, you know, and, and really put those boundaries in place. There had definitely been an overstep of the boundary. And so it was time for me to, to communicate that to him. And I think it was at that point of taking back some of my own power um, mm. and my own control of my own life. Not that not trying to control him, but trying to control how I felt and how I wanted to show up for me. Um, I think that was a real turning point um, at that point for me that I felt less in despair and felt more optimistic going forward because I felt safe to, to say how I felt and what my experience of something was without needing the validation or the confirmation from someone else that that, that was okay yeah. or that was allowed. So um, yeah, it kind of came in waves, but I love what you touched on Jade about this idea that there, it, it's messy and there's no quick fix. And and we want a quick fix. We want it just, we want to be further down the road. And I know there's people who will be listening who are at that really messy, volatile point of despair and looking to us thinking, oh, if only I can be there. You know, we look like we're in the world of rainbows and daisies to people who are deep in that despair at the mm -hmm. moment. Um, and I just want to say that we see you and we hear you and we know how difficult that is to be in that place. Um, and it's that cliche that the, you know, the only way to, to get over it is to go through it. And, and, and I really think the lessons that you learn about yourself and who you are and how you show up for yourself and how you show up for other people, there's so much gold to be learned in those times where you just have to let it all 
let all that facade fall down and just be you. Um, and it is messy and it's going to be messy and it's going to look different for every different person. And I think the, the most harmful thing you can do for yourself in those moments is to just stay in the place of indecision, the place of not making choices for yourself, of not speaking up for yourself, of not being heard. Um, because mm. you can stay in that mess trying to prove yourself right and prove other people wrong for a really long time. And I know I was in that place. I wanted everyone to, to agree with me that I was right to leave. And I wanted people to, to, to see me as the victim. I wanted to be acknowledged as a victim of my circumstances and that I was right to do what I did. But that was not in fact the case, you know? Um, and I, I look at that now and I'm so thankful for the lessons learned along the way, but it is messy, but you can get through it and you just have to keep choosing along the way. The big things and the little things, just making little choices every day is what helps you move through it. But choosing to stay stuck in that victim mentality, which we're just so inclined to do because we want to, we want to prove that we're right. We want to be acknowledged for making the right decision and, <laughs> And, and, and the truth is some people will never think that we've made the right decision, but we need to back ourselves and know that we've made the right decision for us and we've done it in the kindest and most loving way towards us and to the other people involved. So um, that really helped me to move out of that is to just drop that victim identity and to start making little choices along the way to know that to create evidence for myself that I could have my own back that I could do hard things and and it started with really small steps um and when I look back now I see just how scared that version of me was and how crippled I was with anxiety about making the wrong decision but mm. I'm so glad that I made those little decisions because they compound and they they help you move forward and they help you to really gather that evidence that you've got your own back and that you can do hard things. Oh, definitely. Thank you so much for sharing all of that because first of all, I mean, thank you for sharing so openly. When I say thank you, I absolutely mean that from the bottom of my heart because it's not always an easy thing to do. But also it just shows that we are all going through stuff. And I definitely see you as like this strong, amazing, incredible, creative woman. And I guess we don't always see all those layers. And for people looking from the outside, you know, especially because we do have our own businesses while we navigate through this, it is so important that they see, you know, just how hard we've had to work through these moments and that you you had feelings that you had to work through and you had to call upon help at different times or you had to stand your ground and call in your own power. And sometimes we just forget these things until we hear a reminder. And mm. so I think that is a beautiful reminder for anyone going through this at the moment or has gone through it and, and the wound is still tender. Because I know ours, you know, the wound will be there for many years to come until it's a, a more of a hardened scar. And it's really hard not to 
lose yourself in these moments and uh, it's such a fine line between being in limbo and working through something and you never really know if what you're doing is right Mm. or if you're doing the best thing. But I think taking any positive action that's going to help you through this is a good one. And I remember when you gave up drinking, Bari, Mm. because you were like, oh, I'm going to do, I'm going to, give up drinking I think was it for a month for something kind of like a dry July kind of deal and then you're like I actually feel really good without it but yeah before when you were as you said you know going through things and distracting it could have been a bit of a, a crutch or an escape at times so even yeah, absolutely these decisions even though they're not always easy I mean that's something that paid off for you in the long term mm, yeah absolutely 100 percent um been able to make decisions like that. And I think that came off the back of having been able to see that I had made difficult choices in the past. And I thought, well, this, this has got nothing on that, you know, to, to choose not to drink alcohol has got nothing on, on the bigger, more seemingly important decisions that I've made choices on before. So, um, yeah, when I look at my life now, I've not drank alcohol for over a year now it was a year past July um and I can say yeah my life has changed immeasurably since then but it's being able to make those little choices every day and just stay accountable to myself from a place not of you need to to win or in competition with myself but just from a place of compassion towards myself and I think when people are going through those times of despair to offer yourself even the tiniest little bit of compassion because we can be our own worst enemy um, in those moments and the negative self-talk. You know, we, we speak to ourselves in ways that we would never dream of speaking to <laughs> even strangers, let alone people that we love. And I think just letting yourself know that all the emotions are valid and they're useful and they should be there and that you are 100% worthy and 100% lovable exactly as you are and you don't need fixed is such a gift that you can give yourself even in the smallest of ways and if that's choosing to you know to to stop drinking or choosing to move your body more or go to you know a weekly yoga class or to as you did jade seek those you know spiritual healers and and people that can help us from an energetic point of view all of those things are helpful to move us through that space and offer ourselves the compassion that we know we would offer others in the same position Definitely. Oh my goodness. I just, I have one last question for you, but I did just want to share (laughs) something completely random, but related. (laughs) I just going back to the, you know, what you were just talking about doing what helps you or even finding like a team that you can help build around you. I am useless. I am like so good with helping other people. But when it comes to myself, I'll just lie on the couch and watch Netflix. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'll eat my emotions. That's, that's better than <laughs> going out and getting drunk, right? And I totally just am the worst when it comes to myself. But it was funny because in Bondi, I had that particularly very, very bad 
day and I just lost the plot. I collapsed in the shower because I was having a panic attack and couldn't breathe. I was vomiting. Just It was not good. Mm. And I had put a post up on my Instagram and the only reason I'm laughing about this is because I have to laugh now. Like I'm not, you either laugh about it or cry about it, but I'm just like, oh, it's typical Jade, like just typical. But I put an Instagram post out that night and I was lying on this mattress that was on the floor and I had sent Cerise back home to Melbourne for one week to be with her dad and her cousin and her auntie. Uh, so she could have some time with them during the school holidays. So I was by myself. So it was like my body just went, okay, I'm going to shut down everything that you've been repressing. It's all coming out physically, energetically, everything. There will not be one portal or any part of your body that is going to be untouched by this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'd done a post on Instagram and I had posted a picture that I'd taken and posted exactly a year before and that post had said changes are coming Mm. and it was so ironic because I thought when I wrote changes are coming I thought it was professionally I thought it was my business and hell yes many changes came and they were all personal choices and changes and all of that crap that had followed. And I just had this complete breakdown when people started commenting with like these beautiful messages of support. I was like, this has been hell guys. Like I did not know what was coming and people started messaging me and I lost it. And I knew that's when I needed help. And every day in Bondi, so one of my clients that I went on tour with was Rebecca Campbell, and she is amazing. I love her so much. She's the real deal. She embodies everything she teaches, and I had her deck of cards. And I kept pulling the same two cards every morning in Bondi. It didn't matter how much I shuffled them, and I would pull one card at a time every card I pulled was one of these two. Mm. And one of them kept talking about creating your team, creating your team or calling in your team. I was like, what does this mean? I'm like, I've got all these great people around me. I've got everything I need. I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) And one day I realized I hadn't turned the page and read the rest of the explanation for the card. And (laughs) And it went on to say the team is not just your spiritual team, like your guides or, you know, your angels, if you believe in that. This can be medical. This can be your kinesiologist. This can be whatever, whatever. And I was like, oh, shit. And it just brought a whole new meaning to me. That's all I could think about when I was lying in bed that one particular night when people were commenting and I was crying and I was so sick and it was just horrible. And I'd only ever done this one other time in my life. And this was when my ex-husband and I were on the verge of another breakup um, about six, six, seven years earlier. And things had been really bad then. But I said to myself that night, I just called out to the universe and I was like, I don't know who I need, but I need someone 
and I need someone who can help me through this and just give me the next bit. I'm like, I'm desperate. I was like, whenever things get super stressful, I talk to my granddad who died when I was 12. I'm like, granddad, please help me find someone because I can't do this and I cannot find this person for myself. I don't have the energy. I'm out. I'm Mm -hmm. done. And that night I went to sleep and it was so funny because (laughs) I'm such an idiot. I was pissed off that this solution had not presented itself to me (laughs) in the two hours that I had been (laughs) lying in bed before I fell asleep. I was like, what the hell's happening, man? Universe, you're usually in my corner. Whenever I call out for something like this, it happens very quickly. And usually it's with more positive stuff. But I was like, I'm on the brink here. Like, somebody help me. The next morning I woke up to a Facebook message. It wasn't even on Instagram. It was a Facebook message from a friend. And he had said, oh, my God, honey, I am so sorry. I had no idea any of this was happening. And I cannot believe you've been going through it. You know I'm always here if you need me. And then at the end of the message he had written, and look, I don't know if this is your thing or not, but my cousin is an amazing spiritual healer and here are her details and, you know, no pressure. I don't know if you're into it, but I know that she's amazing. And I was like, bing, there it is. Mm. And she was my energetic and spiritual healer and she helped me because at the time I was going through so many issues that had come up around men and feeling unsafe and some very unsavory things that I'd been through in my young years. And she actually said to me, has any doctor ever explored the notion of you having post-traumatic stress over this? And I was like, actually, no. And it had this big realisation for me because my body was withholding all this energy and stories around men and being unsafe and being attacked and all of these things like sexually and violently. And um, it was nothing to do with my ex-husband. He was never that way with me. But when it all comes out, mate, you know, it Mm -hmm. all comes out. Yeah. And so she helped me through a lot of things. So my point of the story is (laughs) that even if you don't know who to call upon or what you need, I mean, for me, it was in my head talking to my dead granddad and to the universe and waiting for someone to appear. But if you need help, if you need something, even if you're like me and you don't want to go through your girlfriends, you can put a call out in a Facebook group. You can email Vari and myself and say, do you know anyone good in this area? You can ask in forums. You can ask for recommendations. But if you need the help, call it in. And it took Mm -hmm. me a bloody card from a tarot deck every single day that I was in another state going, why am I pulling this goddamn card every day, no matter how many times I shuffle? And it took me being so sick and all of this to get to the point where I was like, okay, I'm going to ask for help. Mm. don't let it get to that point there are people out there who can help you yeah and it can be anonymously or not it can be in person or not it can be someone you know or not 
but just take the first step because that is the first step in your healing, the acknowledgement Mm -hmm. and the taking action to create a positive change. And, yes, it's fucking hard. It It will never be easy. But we've been there and we've gotten through it and it was not sexy and it was very distressing at different points. But Vary and I through it and I know that we both know that you can get through it too. But take care of you and make that call Mm. because there's so many people who can and will and want to be on your team to help you heal however that looks for you. Mm, absolutely absolutely and I think that's the key thing in there Jade is to ask for the help and then be willing to accept it and and to be open to see it because there's so many opportunities and people and situations that are there to help us but when we're so deep in that despair we can't see them we've got our head Mm. buried so far that we can't see what's in front of us so yeah to ask for help and then open yourself up to see the possibilities that are there in front of you and the people that are there to help you and support you is is one of the the trickiest things to do but it's um it's it's the way to really help you navigate that that really difficult part because we're not meant to do it on our own so whether it's through spiritual healers or through life coaches or through more traditional means of psychologists then there's people out there to help you in the way that works best for you and that will be so individual for you I know for me there was that anonymity of listening to podcasts and reading books Mm -hmm. and TED talks like that was a real source of comfort for me um, when I didn't feel able to articulate exactly how I was feeling Um, and then after that going on to work with a coach to really talk through some things that was more future focused uh, was really helpful for me and we both touched on it in season one where we spoke of our individual experiences of speaking to therapists and whilst we both completely acknowledge that that is an amazing source of help and support for so many people um, for us at that time in our life, it wasn't necessarily the type of support that we craved the most. Um, mm. And for me, I really needed, I, I had been stuck in that victim mentality of telling my story over and over and over. I was sick to death of hearing my own story. I was sick to death of telling it. And so for me to work with a coach that was more about being future focused and, mm. and with more potential in it and more direction and more optimism was super helpful for me so whilst I I didn't disregard everything that had happened I was able to be far more present and make a plan going forward rather than than constantly looking back and and second guessing decisions that I had made or or are trying to justify my position and why I made the choices that I made so um yeah there's an abundance of people out there to help so just be open to finding the one that best suits you where you are in your journey at the moment oh exactly and there's just one more question before i wrap up and it's a simple yes or no answer that i would love from you vari looking back through everything that you went through and even like the hardest times or when you felt you hit rock bottom and as you've said you've had those moments of feeling shame or selfishness or guilt and whether that was true or not or just um, something that you would put upon yourself 
I really want to know, coming out the other side of that now, do you regret making those hard choices? No, 100% no. And, and it's easy to say from the other side, but I would not change a day of it yeah. because it's all for us. Everything is for us. Even when it feels like it's not, it's all for us in the most beautiful way. Yeah, beautiful. I feel exactly the same. Thank mm. you so much for sharing. No, thank you. This has been amazing. Thank you for sharing your story as well. Oh my goodness. I, I think you can hear from Varys and my voices that it is a heavy topic. So as we mentioned at the start, if you need to speak to anyone, please go do so. If you would like to speak to someone anonymously on Lifeline, you can absolutely do that on 13 11 14. And know that we are thinking of you and our hearts are with you and being a, re a reawakened woman means that we are in this together and wherever you are at in this journey, whichever stage you're at, we have got you. And so thank you so much for listening in to this episode in particular. It was just our hearts <laughs> laid bare, wasn't it, Vari? Mm, yeah. yeah. But, um, it feels so generous to be able to share our story and, and what we've gone through um, because it is part of our story and it's part of who we are and it's, it's part of, of our journey as we awakened women, as you said, Jade. So, mm. um, yeah, it feels, feels really generous to be able to, to share it with people and hopefully it's helpful and, and helps you feel a little less alone if you're in that space at the moment. Absolutely. Would you like to wrap us up, Vari, today? Sure thing. So if you are listening on the Anchor app, then be sure and leave us a little voice message. Um, what was your greatest insights and takeaways from this heart-opening episode? We would love to hear. Um, if you are in this place at the moment of being deep in the depths of despair, um, share your story, even just sharing it with us, we're not really strangers. We're all friends together, even if we've not met in real life. To share your story with us um, might be that first step um, towards being able to heal what's come before you and, and put you in a better place moving forward. So come on over to the Anchor app and share, um, share your, your story with us. We would love to hear it. Also, if you're not currently subscribed, head on, on over to our website. We are at reawakenedwomen.com and you can subscribe to the newsletter there and get all the latest updates and news from us um, and we're also on instagram at reawakened underscore women and um, come and say hi over there we would love to continue the conversation um, with you all over there if you feel called to do so so thank you as always for listening and we will talk to you in next week's episode thanks jade thank you bye